All right, guys, welcome to a special episode with my good friend, Rick Mayo. Rick is the CEO, owner, uh, what do you call yourself, Rick? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, is, chief cheerleader, I don't know. Yeah, uh, of Alloy Personal Training. It is a host of things. It is a uh, two brick-and-mortar locations that, that he owns. It is thousands of licensees, and it is now a, a, a franchise, which he will be uh, telling us a little bit more about. But Rick has been in the industry for, uh, I've been in the industry 18 years. Rick was in the industry when I was in high school. So that makes him much older than me and much in the industry uh, a lot longer than me. And and hence, uh, so uh, Rick's been doing this for a really, really, you founded your first uh, gym in what, 92? Yes. In, 19, in, in 1992 and has been doing the, the the gym he founded is still, uh, it's gone through a lot of facelifts, but is still uh, running. Sitting today, in it is, right now. In a oh my gosh. That, that was, that, I don't know what it was. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is hilarious. So you're in the same exact location 30, 30 years ago. Wow. Yep. Um, so I originally saw Rick speak at a Tom Plummer event and Rick, Rick, you know, there's, there's lots of speakers in the fitness industry, but Rick was uh, one that caught my attention uh, very quickly. And I reached out to him and, you know, you know, I think we booked a couple coaching calls. I said, this is back when I wasn't doing any coaching myself. I was just running my gym yep. and reached out to Rick and got, did a couple coaching calls. And actually I flew my, me and two of my team members down to Atlanta. That was awesome. That was great. We had a great day. We spent a we full did. day with Rick and I believe like whatever you charged me for that, like you, you might've undercharged me by like $13 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think he charged me like it was, it was really, I've been really fortunate that, uh, I've had to like, I, I've hired Charlie Weingroff for a full day for like, you know, like a lunch bill. Like it was like, it, it was crazy. So, um, good to be Vince. Yeah. No, no, it was because it was a long time ago, uh, but, right. <laughs> but, uh, no, that I, we spent a full day with you and uh, that was an amazing day. It totally transformed a ton of things that we were doing and we were thinking. And it, it, it was really inspiring, real great days. But so Rick's been a huge mentor of mine for, for a really long time. Um, you know, now we uh, get to speak together on the Perform Better Tour. And I, I personally like it. I just get to see Rick at the bar. And I just, I just, ask Rick questions and Rick just talks and I just kind of make mental notes in my head and it's a really, really valuable experience. So, uh, Rick is a, a, a good friend and a, and a, and a really a, uh, a, a founding business leader in the fitness industry. So Rick, thanks for coming on. Man, I'm going to supplant Thomas Plummer pretty soon as the godfather, you know? So if he's the godfather, what are you? I don't, I don't know. Who would I be? In that? I don't know who would I be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to pull up my uh, my Godfather Rolodex of characters because I'm somebody in there. I just don't know who. One of the right. lower, lower tier guys, I'm sure. No, and the, well, that makes me. Uh, who, who's who, who's what's the guy's name? Where he's, <laughs> who he plays Christopher Maltesanti in yeah, yeah, uh, in yeah. Sopranos? Yeah, but in, in, in the show. Uh, <laughs> where, where he, he shoots. He shoots his feet. What's it? He makes him dance. Yeah. Yeah, I forget. About. <laughs> oh my God. That, that, that's, that's who I am. The guy that gets the water. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've so, been 
You're higher up than that. You're higher up than that. It's just That's not in the trenches, man. You just need to get a little older. That's all. You'll get there. I'm working at it. I'm working at it. Well, well, the COVID-19 has taken some hair off. That's why I've, I've definitely, uh, real. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely, uh, wear any hat more often. So, um, well, I, I wanted to interview, it's funny cause I, I texted Rick yesterday. I was like, Hey, you want to jump on and talk shop? Um, and he asked me, he was like, well, is this a podcast or a call? And I was like, it was supposed to be a call, but, uh, we turned into a podcast. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm getting value. Uh, my listeners are going to get value and everybody's, and and hopefully a few of you will listen to this and buy one of Rick's franchises, and then we all win, and then we all win. So, um, all right. So Rick is in Atlanta, Georgia, and fun fact about Georgia is uh, as we are, it is what is the date today? It is April twenty second, and as we are recording this today, uh, Georgia is the only state in the U.S. Is that correct? That's, as far as I know, that's reopened. Yes. As, far, as far as we know, and, and there's going to be a lot we're going to say that we might not know. We're just going to say it anyway. And uh, so Rick is in Georgia, and he has been given the green light to open yeah. his businesses. And you're, the green light lifts on Friday, right? April 24th, I think, is the day. It's funny, Vince, because last weekend – I think uh, my wife went to Costco and it was basically, hey, you can't come into Costco unless you're wearing a mask, right? That was on like Sunday, I believe. And then literally on Monday, the governor comes out and he's like, ah, screw it. Everything's open on Friday. (laughs) So it's like gym. It was like this random list of things, right? Like gyms, which hooray for that. Gyms, uh, bowling alleys. I don't know. Maybe there's a bowling league that's upset. Maybe he bowls. I don't know. Um, barbershops, there's all these sort of random services that are open. And then as of Monday, um, so th- that'll be this upcoming Friday, as of Monday, it's restaurants and, it, you know, it's basically everything but large venues and bars. Yeah, the bars, yeah. Yep. You don't want to be stuck in a bar right now. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. Some drunk guy trying to stick his tongue in your ear. That's always a precarious position to be in, COVID or not. <laughs> I know, I know. So let me start with this question. Um, it's a little off of, I gave Rick a couple questions before we started, but I never follow the script. Uh, so get ready, right? But anyway, let's just talk. Yeah. So there's obviously this period of time where you close your gym and you went strictly online and I'm sure you've made, you know, adjustments for that as I've been doing a ton of uh, coaching on getting business owners to switch over to this online platform for their members. Question is this, I'm willing to bet, and I know this for a fact because I'm surveying my members right now, and a lot of them are saying when we open, they probably will not come back. And not everyone, but a large majority. So the first question, Rick, is basically, you are going to have most likely in your gym a group of people that are going to come back to the gym and they're ready to rock. And then there's going to be another group of people that aren't ready, but still want to continue online. Talk about how you're going to kind of navigate the, the two of those situations. Yeah. So, and, and you hit the nail on the head, Vince. This is exactly what we're, what we're going through right now. So it was announced Monday of this last week. This is a Wednesday for those of you who I mean, I don't know when this will come out. This is Wednesday. So imagine it was announced on Monday. And then later that evening, I copied the article, um, pasted it in our private Facebook page for members only and said, Hey, great news. We're opening again. We're going to wait. We're going to open on Monday. So a week from today, you know, we'll be open. And then we, we also sent out an email 
to our list, right? And then um, we can get into the, the virtual playbook that we were running, but um, just to down and dirty, all of our coaches had a bucket of clients that they were servicing and they yep. were directly communicating with them, engaging them at a high level. So they also reached out to their bucket and said, hey, look, we're, we're back in it, you know, starting Monday. And I think we really have three, what we've seen, and this is very early innings, we haven't even opened yet, but what we've seen from an initial reaction is, you know, hell yes, you're open. This is awesome, right? That's group one. Group two, hell no, it's way too early. You know, maybe even it's irresponsible, you know, because it's pretty polarizing, right? So you've got yeah. that. And then lastly is like, yes, but not yet, right? So I'm going to wait until, because our official uh, uh, shelter in place isn't lifted until the end of April. And we're not at the end of April yet. So a lot of people are like, hey, give it a few more weeks. And so I think you have like a wait and see camp, a party on camp, and a not yet camp, right? Yeah. But we were doing it. We didn't lose, you know, we didn't have hardly any churn, thankfully, going from open to virtual. And as you know, it kind of rolled, like for us, it sort of rolled in slow, right? Like we started to see people just not showing up and then the, the, the fear yeah. to pick up a little bit less people showing up. So we're probably at about 50% capacity when we pulled the plug on it anyway. Mm -hmm. And then a few days later, the governor shut us all down anyway. So no big deal. I think we're going to roll out in a similar manner, right? So we're probably going to see a skeleton schedule at first, people coming in slowly. And then as the general sort of confidence picks up and we're able to prove out that we're doing things well and safely, that we'll start to see people roll back in. Um, but thankfully, virtually, we were doing a really good job and had not not seen much churn at all and so a lot of people were really surprised at how well they liked virtual you know, and certainly in a forced situation they were like man this is great and I don't even know if you know the suspense but we, we have an app so in the app it, you know you can communicate there's behavioral changes how are you feeling today all the workouts are driven via video we can build a month's worth of workouts they can rate the difficulty of them they can we see if they did them or not. And so a lot of our clients that were coming in consistently to the brick and mortar didn't even know that we had that because there's no reason for them to use it unless they were snowboarding or taking a vacation or, you know, and then they might use it, might not. They're like, eh, don't worry about it. You know, I need a vacation anyway. I'm not even going to work out. And so all of a sudden our members were like, wow, I didn't know you guys had this. This is an amazing tool. You know, this thing is great. It does all these things for me and we communicate through it, right? Yep. You can create group texts and group chats and all these things. So, Anywho, um, and it was just, is that something that you guys created with alloy? Or yes. Okay. So, yep. So we already had that, um, built we certainly didn't predict we'd be using it at, at scale like we are now. And we had built it for the very reasons that I said, like, Hey, it's a value add client wants to work out twice at your gym and then they're stuck at home with the kids one day. Here's the workouts you do at home. We can hold you accountable. You know, you can track food. It pulls in my, uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Uh, gosh dang it. What's the, what's the nutrition app? I'm drawing a blank. I got quarantine, right? My fitness pal. Uh, the, the, okay. Yeah. Pal, so they can track nutrition and you can see if they're tracking. And so there's all these accountability tools that we thought were great, but no one really used it as much as we probably should have until now. And it gave my coaches an opportunity to really learn how to use it because they would use it a little, but we basically had a sort of an app team, if you will. And when say someone's client was going out of town, they would tell that person that, that runs our app, Hey, you know, Matt, I've got so-and-so going out of town. Can you give them three or four workouts and make sure we're holding them accountable? Because all of their interaction and most of their time is being eaten up, you know, on the floor, right? Servicing clients live. So I feel like we're going to have about 50-50 to start, maybe a bit less on the um, showing up to work outside. 
which will allow us to, you know, maybe run a lesser crew. And then the ones that aren't in that day will probably flip flop it to keep it fair. The coaches that stay home will continue to service the buckets of virtual clients. We might have to reshuffle those buckets or give, you know, all coaches access to all clients. So whoever's home that day does all their due diligence. Um, But yeah, that's what we're anticipating right now just based on early reactions. And that's kind of common sense. That's what we saw. Again, it's sort of the inverse of what we saw from rolling in, right? When the things were starting to shut down. That's great. And, and so talk about, so, so you're going to really continue what you're doing from the online perspective and just start to do more in-person stuff. Talk about the, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot, and I'm actually jumping on uh, a call with my mastermind today at noon to go over this, but um, we've been on lots of calls. <laughs> so, um, but talk about the very specific things that you're going to do inside your facility to make this a the safest environment possible there's no you know you can't prevent everything obviously but what are what what plans do you have in terms of your opening soon to make sure that this is the safe is safest environment possible for your clients yeah a million dollar question so thankfully for us and as you mentioned before we had pivoted to franchising so you know with the explosion of the studio models in the last few years we found atlanta's pretty competitive similar to your market events where there's a lot of people in that vertical that services what we call team training which is boot camp or large group training right so our big differentiator has always been our personal training and we know how to service it in groups of up to six and make it feel and smell and look just like personal training and so when we pivoted to franchising earlier this year or late last year we are going all in in personal training. Well, first and foremost, obviously no one could see this coming, but it's been very helpful for us because it, by virtue of shrinking our facility from 8,000 feet down to 2,500 feet, right? And making it all personal training, the groups are a lot smaller. So we have a lot less people in open space. That's helpful in and of itself, right? And the groups are more intimate. And we can also control it better, right? When you're doing team training, you just have lots of people moving around. I'm not saying I don't like team training. I'm saying through the lens of like a virus and social distancing, it's going to be a little bit harder, right? So for us, we can service almost a full till of clients. And the things that we can do are obviously continuing on with our clinically clean protocols, which we have anyway, but now we certainly have invested in some industrial cleaners and things, right? To um, that are, uh, reported to you know kill COVID on contact and so we have a mister and we're misting this stuff nightly um, and and also the advantage of being a personal training setting is that we're able to control the programming in a way that also lends itself to social distancing meaning you know one example would be okay everyone the workout for this individual for each individual is going to be done with their own equipment for the entire time right so there's, you think about team training, it's always a rotation on a clock of some kind of a station or something, right? Yep. Typically, well, that, that, that means then by default, you're sharing equipment. So for us, we're able to say, no, we're, we do sets and reps, right? We're not running everything on the clock. And because of that, we're able to put someone in their own space with a kettlebell, a dumbbell, whatever implementation that we want, and let them work out in their own space. And then because our workouts are an hour long, but we're typically using about 45 minutes of that hour, it gives our coaches time between every session to wipe down all the equipment that was used, that was touched by those individuals, right? 
So as far as, and these are things we were doing right up until we closed. So as far as social right. distancing and controlling what we're able to do, we were just really fortunate that we had chosen to go this route. We did it as a competitive, uh, you know, sort of a differentiator for competitive reasons, but it turns out to be the perfect business model moving forward. And I think it's going to be yeah. really good for us moving forward, coming out of this to, be able to say, that, Hey, our groups are small. You know, an example of that, it doesn't even matter. Like, I mean, I think we all, if you really practically think about it, if someone goes to the grocery store somewhere else and then comes here and they're living in a house of other people that are doing similar things, you don't really, there's no way to identify where you caught it per se, right? I mean, it could be in, a, it could be in your local community, but where, how, we don't even know. And so I think time will tell on, on those factors. But, um, you know, I've heard people say things like, well, I don't want to go to some big gym where there's a ton of people in there that I don't even know. And so whether it's right or wrong, as far as how you contract a virus, there is some general trust in knowing the people that you work out with. There's a, some assumed trust that they're cleaner or that they, you know them and you trust yeah. them. And that means they're taking the, the safety protocols that maybe you feel like you should be taking, right? There's not some random person over there who you, you don't know at all, who you think might be crazy, who's sneezing or, I mean, who knows, right? And so it's just a, it's an interesting dynamic when the groups are smaller and they legitimately know everyone in there that there is inherently a higher trust level. Like, okay, well, I'm not going to a gym where I don't know these people again. I'm just coming in here. And if you really think about it, it's like, well, yeah, but I mean, we're going to do everything we can, but you know, that's not necessarily scientifically sound, but that's the general sentiment, which is really important, right? Because we're going to take all the precautions we can when they get here but it just makes them feel better because there's less people. So again, we're lucky we had landed on this business model ahead of time. And so it allows us to control the experience much better than either a general service gym, obviously, and or a team training model where they just have a lot of people. And in a lot of ways, your business relies on that, right? If you look at these guys, I know I'm rambling, but no, we are talking. So you look at these guys like I, I, Theory. I, I, I'm taking notes, so I'm good. Well, listen, if you look at guys like Orange Theory and F45, they can create social distancing, but what I look at as a, as a business businessman is like, well, how does that work, right? Because let's say, and I'm not knocking these guys, I'm just using them because people recognize their brands. Right. If you were, say, in an orange theory, I mean, how do you create social distancing? Do you go like every other treadmill, right? And if you do, then you're at, what, half capacity? Right. right. Every other lower? So, but you can't survive on 400 members in that model. The business model is an 800-member model, right, to make good money. So it's like... I'm not sure what they'll do. I'll be really interested to see who's creative and who comes up with what solutions. I'm just feeling really happy that we are in this personal training construct, that we have yep. no more than 12 people in the gym at any given time, which barely honestly puts us above that 10 person limit that they had, that we had at one point. Right. And so, um, I don't know, we feel pretty good about it. And, uh, and again, that addresses the trust issue as well. Now, other like tactical things that we're doing Vince is, um, you know, little things like propping open the locker room doors just enough so somebody can like get their elbow in the wedge to open it, right? Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, if you have the ability to do that, because again, just touching things, right? Propping open the front door to your gym, same way if it's possible, right? Just so that people can stick an elbow or a foot in there. And maybe even installing, if you've seen in some high-end restrooms, they have those little foot hooks on the bottom where you can open the door with your feet because you don't want to touch the door. Great idea right now. And if you do that, I would in a down and dirty, gritty way, walk around your gym with your iPhone and just say, here's the 10 things, you know, or the three things or whatever it is that we've done in our gym to make sure that you're safe. And again, you know, it, can it be spread respiratory? I don't know, man. Like, listen, all bets are off. I'm not a doctor and don't pretend to be. 
I think we all have the same data set and everyone looks at it through different lenses these days, right? But I think it, as a business owner, it's only going to help you if you can demonstrate at least that you're conscientious about it and that you're taking all the precautions that you feel like you can to protect them. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm still writing uh, notes here. This is uh, a lot of jibber jabber, but yeah. yeah. No, this is actually really, really, really helpful. Um, a couple of the other things uh, I, I think are just important. Um, and this is obviously, I think everyone is doing this, but I think it's um, Steve Jobs uh, always was more obsessed with the uh, box that the iPhone came in than the actual iPhone. So I think packaging and presentation is everything. So even things like wipes. So everyone has gym wipes, right? But where strategically do those things go? And how many of them do you actually have to actually show your members that you are taking all of these? But I think that's brilliant to actually show them and walk around the gym. Um, I did not think of the uh, foot hooks. I did hear yesterday about shoes. And again, my, my cousin who sold his company for $100 million, so I think he knows he's somewhat smart. Right. Um, he, he basically said a lot of the viruses stay on shoes. So I was thinking about potentially, and again, I'm not, again, this podcast is not to say, here's what we're doing. These are suggestions and things like that. Same with Rick. Um, But, you know, do you go with the old RKC and have them not train with shoes and then then there's a liability or do you have them keep a pair of shoes there? Um, But, but I think the the one on six model is, is great. And I want to kind of go back to when you're talking about the large group. So my audience is not a franchise. The people that listen to this podcast, most of them are either small group type facilities or they're large group only type facilities. If you were consulting with a large group only facility, and let's just say it's not constrained to the treadmills and they're not, they're not having treadmills and things like that. It's basically your team training and that's the only model they have what advice would you give to that person that's doing large group of how they should safely structure and make adjustments to the program to, to, to warrant some of these things you're talking about? I think the same thing. So I would first say if there's any opportunity for you guys, you know, to pivot to a small group business model, and I know that's a daunting task, certainly Vince, you could talk them through it. I know you and I've had discussions around, you know, large group versus small group and where our real competitive advantage lies. And we both agree it's in that small group setting. Um, and so pivot to that if you can, because one thing I didn't mention is there, there are still restrictions on the number of people, even in health clubs. So it's 10 people. So if you're running a, a team training style business that relies on, you know, 20 people per class, because that's what you're running to make money, you know, for volume, you might not even be able to do that anymore, right? So, so Rick, are you yeah. saying it's 10 people per gym, no matter what the square footage is? That's what the directive is right now. Now, whether really? or not people will adhere to that or whether or not, you know, they're going to police that, I don't know. But yes, it's 10 people per. So when you open, you'll have essentially, if you were to keep your model going, you'll, you would essentially have two groups of five? Uh, theoretically, yes. I mean, and what we know is by the time that restriction changes, is when we'll be up to speed, right? It's, it's interesting how sort of the, the public opinion of what's going on and their level of comfort seems to match the government directives, right? And so 
if we look at right now, 10 people or less, that's, we're probably not going to bust 10 people as we roll back into this thing, because we're going to have some people that choose to, you know, they might consider themselves higher risk or they just don't want to do it right now. So they're going to stay home and continue to do virtual. Right. So by the time these restrictions are lifting, we'll be able to build back up, right? What I'm worried about is your group training guys or your boot camp guys that when it's time to be open, they can be open, right? But what does that look like? And so I guess you could say, take the same precautions that we're taking. You can do a workout in your own space, timed workout with one or two pieces of equipment. You can do kettlebell complexes till you puke. You know, it's like it, programming parts easy, I think. So keeping social distancing, keeping them in their own space, using their own equipment, and then leaving enough time between sessions to wipe down the handles of those kettlebells and things, um, as an example, would be a really good idea. Whether or not that business structure works, whether there's enough volume in there for you to pay your overhead with half of your normal right. Folks, uh, yeah, it comes a pricing issue. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. Because the price threshold of your current business, you know, it might be 150 and you need to be at 300 or 250, right, to really run small group and do it well. So. I think it just maybe speaks to where you want to start heading, whether or not you get there now or not. I think this is a big eye opener and it's probably put more of a spotlight on the business model that I think is going to work moving forward. Out of it. The, the one advantage I do think that the large group memberships have is that uh, it, it, they're, they're not paying a super high price point. So there is probably a better chance for them to maintain a lot of their clients online. Because if they're paying $150 a month, it's not a huge thing. And you're doing providing a really good virtual service. Uh, not to say that you shouldn't pivot to small group, because I think it is probably a really good idea. But the, the large group memberships probably will have an easier time versus guys like us that are charging five dollars $600 a month. That's a little harder to justify for virtual than a hundred to 150 bucks a month for group training. So that, that is the one advantage that, that the, the large group training still has, but it, yeah, I think it'd be great, you know, to, to dive into, um, I know Rick is a great person to learn from. We've done some, you know, videos on, on how to implement small group, uh, training yeah, and, and even, and even one-on-one too is not out of the, you know, we've, we've kind of, you know, you know, beat it up for years right uh, that never to do one-on-one it's like you get a you're gonna get the COVID if you do one-on-one and that's not I mean that's one-on-one's looking pretty damn good right now I'll tell you that <laughs> I bet you there's a lot of owners that would take their old one-on-one training yeah. back any in a minute right now yeah know? yeah no I think and we, we started to actually do so, some one-on-one over over zoom uh, we, we, we actually have a lot of people that requested and a lot of my mastermind guys have, have kind of done this too, is the 30 minute one-on-one call over zoom. It's quick, it's in and out your 15 minute warm up on their own. You're with them for 30 minutes and then they're gone and you can charge like a decent premium for that, for that service. So it's definitely something, uh, to consider as you go is, is, is not a ban. Cause I do feel like if someone's comfortable in you know coming to a gym they'd probably be most comfortable in that environment when they're not in with any people and it's one trainer one person you got your own pocket of the gym and things like that so that, that was that was great rick thank you so much um all right you mentioned trust a bunch of times now you're a person that's had a gym for 20 plus years I imagine some of those clients have been with you almost since the beginning. So th- th- there's, you're a great person to talk to 
uh, in terms of building trust. But I, I want to, and you mentioned the the marketing, uh, you mentioned the walk around the gym and the show people what um, they're doing for cleaning. But as we go, we still need to continue to market our business, right? We can't just rely on, you know, the clients we have at this point right now since we, like we have. So if you were kind of giving advice on the marketing side of it and getting your message out there, what are, what are things that you would say do demonstrate whatever to help build trust with the people that may not know you? that well yet yeah and i well i think it's back to even the video that we just talked about right I yeah. mean, as you know vince like i do a lot of business to business marketing which is for the franchise and then i have to do business to consumer marketing for either the individual locations or for my own corporately owned locations and those two types of marketing are completely different right mm -hmm. business to business it works well when it's polished and it looks professional and there's a certain level of professionalism that's that's expected Whereas that same level of professionalism marketed locally for your mom and pop gym, which is what you want it to feel like, is a bit of a turnoff. It feels too you know, corporate, right? You're not right, going to get through right. So I love the idea of that down and dirty video and maybe just telling the story. Like, you know, if it was me doing that, I would say like, hey, I'm Rick you know, Mayo. I've been here since 1992 in the same location. I've lived in this city also, you know, within miles of this gym you know, taking care of this community for nearly 30 years. You know, we take this seriously. We, you know, we open this business to, to, you know, enhance the health of our community. And this is part of that. So I just want to walk you through quickly what our business is about and what we're doing right now to, to keep you healthy. You know, we're allowed to be open. We're keeping it less than 10 people. Thankfully we do personal training so we can control it. I would just tell the story, right? And walk around the gym and just make it down and dirty and show a couple of things, the foot openers for the locker rooms, the, you know, we've got this, we've got that. You work out in your own space, you know, maybe grab a member and be like, Hey, what do you think? And they're like, Oh, it's great. You know, they're like, I'm nervous too, but this is the cleanest place I've ever been. I mean, whatever that is, right. That would go a long way in a marketing campaign right now. And I think if you were just going to look at what kind of, uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, graphics or video, but copy would just be to touch on all these things, right? Like we're, we're doing these things, bam, 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 bam. That is brilliant. I, I, I tell you, man, I, I really do believe that they're the local brick and mortar, which you and I are both brick and mortar, and we both consult business owners as well. And I do believe that there's a lot of the consulting out there that tries to turn brick and mortar gym owners into these internet marketers. And it, it, it's funny because I, I never heard anyone quite put it like that, but yeah, you're using all this fancy stuff and these, you know, really cool lead magnets and all, all these things like that, that, that like, you know, these are just local people that want to go to a good local establishment to get trusted advice and trusted uh, guidance on their health and fitness. And it's like, I think that that's, that's one of the best answers I've heard. It's really, really I just heard be authentic and be you um, and be, sh showing your roots. Yeah. Just be as raw as you need to be. It's like you're having a conversation. You're inviting a guest into your business that lives in your community. I also live in this community. I see these people at the grocery store and whatnot. I do care about them personally. I want them to know that. And that's easy to grab in a real casual video. If you just said, all right, one, two, three, go, and just did it off the cuff and spent a minute walking around your gym, telling your story while showing a couple of features, right? Making people feel comfortable. 
again, remember it goes back to events. What we talked about earlier is like someone saying, I'm not going to another gym. There's a whole bunch of people in there. I don't know. I'm like, well, I'm not sure whether you know someone or not affects whether you get COVID we know it doesn't, but there's an inherent trust level there. Right. And so right, right now, trust is probably the most valuable, com valuable commodity that you could be, you know, that you can have in your community hundred percent. So this is how you do it. You're real, you're raw, you show what you are doing. Talk about what you're doing for your community. Um, a local gym with the owner's face on this video, it's just gonna build more trust. And whether or not that prevents someone from catching a virus, I think we could probably agree, maybe not, but it certainly does feel like it, and that is important. And then take all the precautions that you need to, you know, to keep your community as safe as possible. That's awesome, man. Really, really great answer. And uh, all right, so I want to kind of shift gears. And I, we've been talking a lot about this, but I think a lot of people have, um, I, I've been seeing a lot of stuff on social media lately about the return to the gym, the return to the gym. And I'm, what I'm scared of is people are get so focused on the return to the gym and they have this whole host of clients still doing their online that they lose sight of that program and take their eyes off that. And what I have seen, and I, I do this um, presentation on value, and I talk about like the intrinsic value versus uh, what Dan Kennedy calls IPU value. And that's uh, IPU is intangible, personal, and unique. And the intrinsic value is the workout, right? It's the Zoom workout. It's what you give them. But the IPU value is the experience. It's the trust. It's the being part of the community. It's the uh, status they get by being a member of Alloy. What are, uh, so I'm, I'm guessing guys just didn't give them workouts. What are the other things that you have done to engage your members to, I mean, you're charging four or $500 a month to be part of your gym and you just moved it all online. And I assume you kept charging that amount, which is the same thing. What we, we did, yeah, we did, we did drop our rates a bit. Okay. Okay. Yep. A bit. Do you have a percentage? Uh, on average, I would say 20%. Okay. And did you do that immediately? Um, we did not. So when we were still in the hybrid phase of like open, but you know, it was coming, you could see it. Right. We were still charging normal rates because theoretically people still had the option to come to the gym. Mm -hmm. People said, there's no way, there's no way in heck I'm coming to the gym. You know, I, of course, without the knowledge that we had a really good virtual playbook because they had never used it. The initial conversation always went like, Hey, I need to I want to freeze or I need to put things on hold. And we would say, Hey, no one's doing that. We're just going, we're just training you virtually. We have this app that you probably don't know about. And they're like, Oh, okay, great. You know, and so again, it's like, not, do you want to, it's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're all doing this now. And it's like, Oh, we are. Okay. Well, that's what we'll do. Right. And then we went to virtual. So we did drop our rates a little bit, but we're still, you know, a couple hundred bucks and more for online. Yeah. Uh, which is great. And so talk about that. Actually, that's an important point. Um, cause I've, I'm sure people are still getting it if they haven't, I'm sure they've gotten it already, but what was that conversation like when someone said, Hey, I wanted to go on hold and you just really just said it. Um, but what was the process like? Um, did you have them, someone reach out to them one-on-one? -on -one? Was that conversation done via email? Like how was that? How did that whole process go? Yeah. So we would use email on our private Facebook page, which has a ton of engagement on it to, you know, widely spread the messages. And then we right. had role play in our meetings. You're going to have people that are going to reach out to you directly as a coach and say like, Hey, cause you know, there's a million and one ways to get a hold of someone these days, whether it's, 
you know, Facebook Messenger or whatever that is, and and they're going to say, hey, look, um, you know, can you let the can you let so and so know to put my membership on hold? And we had to role play what those answers would be, both verbally and written, right? So we had scripts, which would really help, and we had to make sure that our team, because our team had run some virtual training, but none of them had been straight up virtual coaches ever. So we had to make sure that they had full buy-in that what we were providing was a great value, right? So that they had that personal conviction and that and that that efficacy to say, look, no one's doing that. We're all going online. Like you're not getting off the hook. Again, you're having that coach client relationship, right? Like, what are you talking about? You're going to quit. No, you're not. So you're just going to give up all this fitness that you've made so far. No, we're all, everybody's doing it online now. So we have an app. We're going to get you downloaded with that. And we went from there. So what we did first is after we got the team on board, everyone understood what we were doing. They understand the value proposition. We explained what real online training would, would cost if you engaged a high end online training coach which we feel like we were in that category, certainly technically. And we were coming in well below that. So we kind of obviously drove home the fact that it was a smoking value, got the team's buy-in on that. And then we broke all the clients into buckets and we had each trainer's responsibility was to service their bucket. And we created just a down and dirty Google sheet and we created a, a playbook for virtual that was like, this is how many touch points everyone has to have each week. There's going to be a, a you know, you're going to send them one exercise message, one nutrition message, and one mindset message per week. You're going to have a call with them once a week, either via Zoom or just on the phone, or at least you're offering it if they'll take it, right? We're updating their workouts every two weeks on the app. Um, you know, and so there was just a million and one things that we did. And then our team came up with all kinds of things. You know, we, we didn't do any Zoom workouts for scheduled times. We actually thought, well, we're doing personal training now. So let's do one-on-one -on -one training and just service it virtually. So we just dug in with each person and like your one-on-one -on -one training via Zoom kind of thing. That's basically what we were doing. So once a week we would get them, how's it going? How do you like your workouts? You know, is there anything else that you need different? And uh, it was great. It felt like to a lot of people, it felt like more specificity and higher level of service, right? And it was actually a lot more work than our coaches thought. I mean, they were actually working right. a lot, right? To service a bucket of, you know, a hundred clients or something. It's a lot of work to do that. Yeah. And so, so, um, you know, that's kind of how we rolled it out and it's been, it was wildly, you know, popular more so than I even thought with our clients who are like, I absolutely love this. Right. A lot of, we're getting a lot of great comments that we've been using for marketing, you know, on, Hey, this is really helping. It's very engaging. It's like, I have a personal trainer, but I'm at home. And, you know, sometimes we would get on the phone with people and they're just having a down day. Like this thing affects you and they're stuck home with the kids or you know, maybe they just went through a divorce or, you know, I mean, who knows what's going on in their lives, but there's somebody in their family sick with COVID and, you know, just to have these a, a third-party ear that's really upbeat, right? Um, one thing I'll mention about that, and I just don't want to forget, if you guys are going to run this play with your coaches, don't underestimate the fact that your coaches are also people, right? Yeah. I think for me, it's like, hey, man, we're going to get, we're going to kick some ass, we're going to motivate all these people. And I've got coaches that are single parents that have three kids at home who are now basically teachers, right, on top of working and doing everything else. And then I'm expecting them to get on the phone for three or four hours a day and be like, Hey, what's up? You know, like they've got all this energy. They have the same challenges that everyone else has. Right. So I, I, I didn't want them to, I wanted them to know that that wasn't lost on me or anyone and how proud I was of them for saying, look, we've taken on this role that has a certain level of responsibility to it. Like if you're a trainer or a coach, you're a leader, love it or not. So you're going to have to leave all that stuff and you're going to have to get it on and fake it till you make it. And you have to be something bigger to these people who are going to have these conversations. Right. But you just make sure that you acknowledge that if you're an owner or a manager and that you, 
you're there for them in that same way that they're there for their clients, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Because it's really important because they're humans as well and they're going through the same shit our clients are going through and you're yet expecting them to be a, you know, a ray of sunshine or a lighthouse in everyone's life. It's like, great, but someone's got to do it for them, put it that way. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's, I, I've, been, I've been using the analogy of the lighthouse uh, throughout this whole period as soon as this thing started. And, you know, with it, you know, comes that it's a really good point you're making. And, you know, because I've been preaching, we got to be the lighthouse and we got to be the strong one, you know, in their life. And they're out on the boats and the waves. And the, but as long as they can see you, the lighthouse. And you're right in that we need to make sure as owners that we are being that lighthouse for them. And, and, and then you have to find out who the light out is for you because you're right. Cause no one can go at this alone. You know, this is a really, really well, think, you know, challenging time. And to your point, Vince, I mean, if you're a servant leader and you're transparent and you're just, you know, I would sit in the meetings and say, how's everyone doing? You know, and they're like, Oh, you know, this and that, how's the teaching going? And we just have these open conversations. You know, humor is part of our, it's part of our, it's actually one of our core values. So, we crack a lot of jokes and make fun of each other and who's being a teacher now and stay at home moms and all this funny stuff. But um, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's nice to be transparent too. And I would just tell my guys like kind of shit weekend, you know, like I was great when the thing first broke out. I'm an entrepreneur. I love to problem solve. There's the biggest problem ever. I'm all in. And then once it gets to three or four weeks in, it was like, you could just feel that energy for everybody. Yeah. Oh shit. This is our new reality for a bit, you know? And so I had it too. So there's nothing wrong with sitting at the table with your people saying, I had a really shitty weekend. Like I didn't do anything. I like binge watch Netflix, sat on my ass and did nothing. And so how is everyone else doing? Cause I know I struggled this weekend. Right? And I would tell them that you guys are motivating to me, like, like my coach's motive. So you look for that lighthouse, like their ability to step up and put their personal, you know, not problems, but their, their personal lives aside and be a lighthouse to other that inspires me. So that is my lighthouse is my team and watching them do that. Even though the directive has been given by me, they're the ones that have to do it. And so I'm just like, God, that's awesome. Like, I don't even know if I could do that. Right. I'd be thinking that sometimes like, I don't know if I could be you, you're awesome at what you do. Right. And we just had some really good conversations and some tears and, you know, some laughter and all kinds of just being real people, really. I think that's really important right now. So anyway, I know that kind of runs down a rabbit hole of management and leadership, but it was really important. It was something that I maybe didn't anticipate when I started this thing. It's like, I'm in attack mode. We're just going to kill this, right? And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm sure everyone's feeling a little bit like our clients. And, and they were. And so it was a good thing to address. Right. I, I, did, a, I did a podcast on that called the COVID-19 uh, Adrenaline Crash. <laughs> and it, it, it really was, it really was like the first two weeks, you're like, I got this shit, like, let's go. And then all yeah. of a sudden you got smashed in the face. Um, but you make a good point of just, uh, you know, what you're talking about is just showing vulnerability, showing, you know, your team that, you know, hey, you're not a machine. And I had some of my mastermind guys, like, you know, cause I was doing zoom calls for you know, running the, I mean, you're running multiple businesses too. And I'm like running the GFP team and I'm on these mastermind calls. And I was, there was one point where I did like six zoom calls in a, six days in a row with the mastermind, right when this thing started. And, you know, one of my guys, it's funny cause they started checking in on me and they're like, dude, you got to slow down. Like you're not a machine. 
And I think I need, and what it taught me is like, I, I need to do a better job showing these guys that, Hey, I'm not like a robot going through this, that I'm struggling with this too. And this is challenging. And I'm trying to balance being a, you know, a father and trying to teach my kid how to ride a bike in the middle of COVID-19 is not the easiest thing to do uh, in the world. But I think it's a great leadership lesson that you just brought up is that, that vulnerability is the foundation for trust. And, you know, as leaders, we kind of got to go through this and do the best we can to be the lighthouse, but also to, to be open as that you're not perfect and you're not, you know, going through this like the Terminator, um, if you will. Yeah. So my, my nickname at work Vince, used to be Spock because everyone thought I was literally like emotionless, was <laughs> calculated, never showed any emotion. It's like, you're that's Spock, great. Right. And I used to like, I was a little proud of that, but like over time I'm like, that's not the way to do it. There's a better way to do it. You know, I think they were, more picking on me than anything but but yeah man it's it's really important to uh to show that to your team and and appreciate what they're doing and so once you know again that's just a side note but once we had the the robust playbook built for virtual um our, again our clients a lot of our clients surprisingly really liked it now i don't think ultimately that it's going to be like everyone's like everyone's going online after this you know i hear people saying it's like i'm blowing up my i'm getting rid of my brick and mortar i'm going to use it this is an opportunity to wiggle out of my lease and I'm just gonna train everyone virtually. It's like, well, A, that means the space is gonna be more crowded and it was kind of already crowded before. And there's an inherently low trust to online training, as you know, right? Like you don't know the person. So the great thing about taking a brick and mortar family, if you will, online and the success of that is because you already know them. There's an established relationship that has the trust of a brick and mortar. So don't underestimate that and don't think that what's happening with your current clients is a reflection of what you're gonna be able to build with people that have never come to your facility that you've never met before, right? I don't think that's true. I, don't, I think it's a different relationship altogether. There's an inherently lower trust. And so I don't see, unless you're willing to get on Instagram and you've got an amazing body, and people want your abs or whatever that is, that you're really gonna build a huge online audience. I like it as a supplement. Will we keep it on the menu moving forward? Maybe, but we're definitely keeping it on the menu for right now, because again, probably half yeah. our clients are going to be on you have to. on Monday. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, what we'll do from a, from a, uh, a manpower allocation, I don't think we've talked about this yet is we'll just put one coach on the shift and, and the other coach will, you know, we'll run the virtual that day and we'll just go at like half till. Cause the way our business model works, we've got two coaches training six people at any given time. So we've got these sort of two pod approaches. And um, right now we could probably get away with just one coach and the other coach can do their virtual duties and we just flip flop days or something like that. And that also keeps it fair. It's funny because my guys were really nervous about coaching virtually. And once they got their hands around it, it's like, Oh, this is awesome. I can sit around hammies <laughs> and not have to be at work at any certain time of the day. Right. Yeah. And so once we, once we said, Hey, we're going to reopen, I think every coach, we use Slack as communication. Every one of my coaches slacked me individually. and was like, Hey man, like just throwing my name in the hat there. If you need somebody just to do the virtual clients only, I'll, I'll take those on. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll bet you will. You're sitting there in your underwear, you know, it's, um, it's been funny. So we'll do it in an equitable manner so that everyone has a shot at like staying home one day a week or something, whatever that is. Um, Rick, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, running multiple businesses and what, what have you done to help uh, navigate your own uh, physical side, mental side, emotional side. This is not an easy situation. And uh, I really do believe that um, a lot of, uh, I heard a quote the other day that a business doesn't get um, 
it doesn't doesn't get crushed by COVID because of COVID. It really is because of overwhelm. They just got overwhelmed. And so what advice do you have to people that are just feeling overwhelmed right now? And what can they be doing to just reduce that um, amount of overwhelm uh, to be able to kind of keep moving forward in a really difficult situation? I think it's important to control what you can control. There's so many cliche sayings, Vince, that you probably read as a leader that, you know, control the things you can, let go of the things you can. I think that's the sort of premise of stoicism even, right? Is only control the things you can and don't worry about the things you can't. It, it's easier said than done, but, but it is true, right? I mean, sure. it's a lot of lip service for a reason. So I know that um, I've talked about this with my team and, you know, we obviously, I think everyone has a podcast now, but we have one and we did this, like some things that fitness professionals can do right now. And some of those things are just tackling like you're like, keep a set schedule and tackle your daily morning as if it's a morning that you're going to be going to the gym, right? Don't completely break all of your routines because, you know, if you listen to, who was it that said this? It's one of the, the raw, raw guys, the military. Oh, Jocko is his name. You know him. He's got the podcast and he's a Navy SEAL. And he's like, a routine is freedom, you know, because if I do my routine, then I've got this freedom around it to, to think. And like, I don't have to plan all these things. It doesn't take up my mental space. So I know for a lot of folks, especially squirrel-brained entrepreneurs, there's a million and one things going at all times. So having a structure, at least around part of your day, can give you the mental freedom to then focus on the bigger problems, right? Now, one example that I've taught for years that I use is just a, an index card and I just put five things on it, either the night before or early first thing in the morning that I'm gonna do that day that aren't reactionary, right? Like I'm not, I'm not gonna get on, on social media and read the news and you know, check all my emails. I'm going to do these things or at least start these things and these need to be finished by day's end. And those are things that I want to do, right? Those are things that I can prioritize where I'm not being reactive to what someone else needs. Just that alone. I mean, the sum of five little things done every day over 365 days is a massive leap forward. Yeah. So I would say that it's going to take like, it's just like weight loss or anything else. Like you're going to have to start eating well, to get motivated, right? It doesn't come the other way around. You don't all of a sudden just wake up and you're like, bam, I'm on this, right? No, you're going to have to do some hard work. You're not going to want to do it. It's all the things you tell your clients about fat loss or what have you. It's the same shit for a business. Like you're going to have to get up and do all the things you don't want to do. But lo and behold, if you do those things, you're going to see these positive results. You're going to build that self-efficacy and then you're going to want to do more of it because you feel better and you're getting more done during the day. You're not as negative and you don't have these downward spirals emotionally. Um, and, and that's about all that you can do. So I would say if you're in a mastermind like yours, you're lucky, right? You need a community to reach out to, to talk to, control your morning routine. So invest in yourself. So do your five things. You know, if you meditate or journal or whatever, do that. You know, we, I gave my team the five minute journal, which is a really yeah, that's great. Story, but yeah. yeah, it's a grateful journal. It takes you five minutes, right? And, but it's a grateful journal essentially at, at the end of the day. And so like what better way to feel better about your situation than to look at what you're grateful for. You know, if you're a male born in the United States, it's like you've won the zip code lottery of all times and the lottery all overall. It's just, you're just lucky, right? And so right. like, if you're here, even though it sucks, it's like, well, you're here. I mean, that's one thing to be grateful for. Right. I know it's hard, hard to see through that sometimes, right? But those are the types of things where you just have to repetitively, you know, beat them into your own head um, until you'll get better. And then obviously don't stop exercising right now because as much as people think that gym people work out all the time, <laughs> it's like regular people, by the way, you've told your clients a million times the brain chemistry and all the positive benefits of, of exercise. So 
get on that, right? So there's all these other things that, um, that you can do that you've probably told other people to do, right? That by the way, work, but you're gonna have to suck it up and do them to see the benefit. I, I tell you, I, Rick, I was doing a, a, a call a couple of weeks ago and I was talking about this, talking about how that, you know, you need to stay fit and stuff like that. And I was going around and I was like, who's having trouble staying fit? And there was a few people on the call that were like, I'm struggling. And some guy comments in the chat and he's like, I don't understand a, a, a fitness professional that can't stay in shape. And I type back into the chat or I think I said it actually out loud. I was like, well, then you don't understand human behavior at all and it's just it like the, any different right like well, it's, it, it, it's it's like best at everything i know so, it's it's, it's absolutely a, a ridiculous statement uh to make and and it, actually his response was when i asked um his response was when i asked about um how your fitness level is his response was perfect as always and my and my response to him was well, uh, perfect is the lowest form of human standard right now. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I, was giving, I was giving him some shit. But, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, yeah. like you can't hit on all cylinders. And as an entrepreneur, you got to give yourself a little bit of grace, right? I think you need to do it for the reasons that we talked about, like right. attitude, self-efficacy, all the things that it helped, brain chemistry, all these things that it's going to help, depression, whatever that is, right? But you also have to give yourself some grace. It's like you're a human being like everyone else. If you're being the lighthouse for your team and all of your clients or whatever, it's like, of course, you're going to be stressed. You're going to have some really bad days. You're going to be some tears and tons of fear and like what's going to happen and self-doubt and just all these things that creep in. But that's part of being a human being, right? Yep. If you don't allow yourself those things and you don't like, you can't categorize those and, and, and accept them for what they are and not that you're a bad person or you're not a great leader or that I'm not going through it or that you're not going through it or, you know, any, anybody else in their life um, that they might seek advice from is not going through that you're crazy we're all doing it so that goes back to maybe that vulnerability thing right like just allow yourself yep. to have it you know sit with those feelings for a minute and get on with your day i mean at the end of the day no one cares but like you know we do but we don't right like we're by the way you and i events we're having the same issues right for sure same exact issues but the difference is are you going to then okay i get it we're all having them i acknowledge it okay but here's the things that need to be done to plow forward Right. Yeah. And so in, in a lot of ways, you guys, you should be thankful that you're in a position where you have to lead because that then forces you to sort of get out of your own head and, and get in front of people and fake it till you make it. And by the way, it's like smiling, right? If you do it, it does change your chemistry. So mm -hmm. you can go and do a couple of motivational emails and phone calls to clients and lo and behold, you feel a lot better. So serving people is a great way to get your head out of your ass. Yeah, <laughs> so for sure. Yeah. I would yep. say be, be thankful for that. You know, it's another yep. thing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Rick, I'm I, rambling, so I, I, no, I have a, I have a whole page of notes and I gotta, I have to jump off. I have a GFPT meeting that's uh, waiting for me right now. Um, but, uh, Rick, how can people get in touch with you? Anyway, I'm all over social media, just Rick Mayo or coach Rick Mayo. I don't know anywhere. And then our website is, uh, alloypersonaltraining.com and it's all about the franchise, but there's some good content on there. Our, our podcast is Alloy Personal Training Business, which is a mouthful, but there's a lot of good stuff that relates to what we're talking about now that's on there as well. And they're all short and sweet, less than 30 minutes or so. Awesome. Awesome. Vince, good to well, talk Rick, to you. Thank you, so, well. thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. Great job. Yeah, man. You too. Good to see you. All right. Later, brother. Cheers.